Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. So God's forgiveness has already been given to all men. Amen. God's forgiveness has been given to who? To all men. All men have been offered the gift of forgiveness. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5 there was a man of the Pharisees named give me Matthew chapter 3 Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 to 5 Matthew chapter 3 yes in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And this is his message. And this is his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his foot was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem all, Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. Hallelujah. The last time I was here, I was teaching about the forgiveness of sins. And we began talking about repentance. And we introduced the concept and the idea of repentance. And from what we did last week, last time rather, we said repentance for the forgiveness of sins is not showing that you were sorry for something wrong that you have done as you know, specified in the English dictionary, you know, to feel sorry for something that you've done that is wrong. That is not repentance in the context of what we're talking about. And I remember we did say that crying and feeling sorry for your sins does not make God compassionate to forgive sin. So the forgiveness of sin is not hinged on we feeling sorry for what we've done. Contrary to normal, the norm that we have, you know, when within in our human relationship, when someone offends us, the person has to come and say, ah, I have acknowledged what I've done. I'm sorry, this is what I've done. The person has to show to you that he is remorseful of what he has done. Then from that moment, you can now choose whether you can forgive or you can, you know, you can withhold forgiveness. So crying and feeling sorry does not make God 
forgive or does not make God compassionate to forgive our sins. In fact, God did not ask us to feel sorry for our sins so that we will be forgiven. Amen? The basis for forgiveness is not an emotional thing that you do or you feel within you. Then God will not act based on your feeling. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins, we said, is not a change your ways, you know, message. For example, now, you have to change your bad behavior. Then when you've changed your bad behavior, then God will now forgive you because you are a changed person. This will be directly contrary to why Jesus came. Some teach, stop all your bad activities, your, all, all your bad ways, your bad behaviors, all your wrong way of living. Then come to Jesus Christ and he will forgive and accept you. This is conditional. Hallelujah. You cannot change your ways before coming to Christ. No one has the capacity to change himself before coming to Christ. Let me announce to you that Jesus Christ did not come for changed people. Hallelujah. If we are all changed and good enough for ourselves, then there wouldn't be a need for Jesus Christ. There wouldn't be need for Jesus Christ. So Jesus did not come for the righteous, but he came for what? For the unrighteous. John chapter 5. Give me John chapter 5 verse 27. We see this in scriptures where Jesus Christ went partying with the publicans or the sinners and the self-righteous Pharisees and the Sadducees saw him and they complained about what he was doing. John chapter, chapter 5 verse 27. Yes. John chapter 5. Is it John? Say, so I got this wrong. So Jesus went out, you know, sitting and eating on the table of, with the scribes, the tax collectors. And the Pharisees saw him and they asked, they asked the disciples, why is it that your master, you and your master, eat with sinners? And Jesus Christ opened his mouth and he told them that, see, the doctor, right? The sick man, the, the healthy man does not need the doctor, right? The physician does not come for he who is healthy. Are we together? It's there in scriptures. But he came for those who are sick. So Jesus Christ came for those who are unworthy. Yes, including you. So if you have a sense of unworthiness, you're feeling, oh, you're not worthy, please, someone should get, get that scripture for us. Either John or Luke, I... Pastor? Because if we are all right and changed, then we don't need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to come. Because we are all good all along by ourselves. Hallelujah. So, because we are sick, therefore we need a physician. Eh? What? Luke 5.31, okay. Luke 5 from 27. Not John, Luke 5 from verse 27. 
Okay, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. 29, then Levi gave him a great feast. He organized a party for Jesus and his friends. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his house. And there were a great number of tax collectors just like him. I know the tax collectors were regarded as sinners by the Jewish people because of how they inflate taxes, right? When they're supposed to collect five tier, they'll collect maybe 150 tier. So they are known as unjust people, corrupt people, you know. In where I come from, they are like the police of the day. The moment you wear the uniform, you are regarded as a very corrupt person. So that is how they perceive these tax collectors. So Jesus Christ came and then he was feasting and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. With them. And their scribes, now these are the teachers of the law, those who know about the law of Moses. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have known it for what? For a physician. So if you think that you have to be okay before Jesus will come for you, then you don't need a Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that all of us are put under one foundation. All of us, we have come short of his glory. That is why we needed a savior that will come and rescue us. Those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick... I have not come to call the righteous, but who? But sinners to repentance. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to call the sinners to repentance. So if he will call sinners to repentance, of which I am one, of course. Amen. I'm one of those whom Christ has come and called to repentance. I don't know about you. Amen. Hallelujah. So... Jesus Christ came that he will call us to repentance. And we've been looking at what is this repentance? What is this repentance? Does this repentance mean change your ways and come to Christ? Does this repentance mean feel sorry? Jesus Christ came to look for those who are feeling sorry for their sins. And we're looking at the meaning of the word repentance from the New Testament scriptures last time. And there were two Greek words which we said, you know, Represents repentance in the scriptures. The first word, metanoia, means a change of mind. That was what we said the last time. It means a change of mind. And the verb of it is metanoia, which means to change one's mind. That was what we saw as the meaning of the word as represented in the New Testament scriptures. And there's another word again, which is metamelomai, which means to regret, to feel sorry, a sense of remorse. For what you've done. You know. And then we said. That repentance. Which is metamelomai. Which means to regret. Or feel remorseful or sorry. Is never. Is never used. In, in the Bible. As to you know. Salvation in relation to our salvation. There's no way in scriptures. Where. The word metamelomai, which means to feel sorry, to feel a sense of regret, is associated with us receiving salvation. 
You cannot feel sorry your way into God's forgiveness of sins. That's what I'm saying. You cannot feel so sorry to the point that God will now forgive you your sins. It's not like that. Hallelujah. If you cry, you roll on the floor, you injure yourself to demonstrate how sorry you are to all that you've done, and you get up and you walk away without believing in Jesus Christ, your sin is still on your head. Hallelujah. So you cannot use emotion. This is not an emotional thing. Are we together? You know, there must be a new birth that will happen in you. That's what we're saying. No matter how a wife and a husband desire to have a child, hmm? emotions will not make them have a child. Are we together? There must be a conception. You know, the woman cannot miraculously, even Jesus Christ was carried for nine months in the belly. Are we together? So she cannot bypass what is natural, what is normal, what is supposed to happen. So also, we cannot be so emotional and feel sorry and cry our way into receiving the forgiveness of sins. You can try to be emotional to your friend. There are some people, when I see them change their mood and they come around me, I know that they want to ask for something. Right? And the moment they change their mood and they change their tune and their words, definitely I know that I must help. But you see, with God, when it comes to salvation, there is no any method. See, even now as a believer, what makes God accept you is not a sense of, you know, remorse. It's not a sense of, oh, I have, I feel so broken. I'm, I'm, I'm. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. The role of the Holy Ghost is not to make you cry. Amen. Listen to what I'm saying. It may sound as as I'm attacking you, but this is a truth. If you read in Matthew, there is no way in the Bible that says that the Spirit will make you cry. That's not his job. In fact, when he comes to you, is joy. Amen? And this joy is everlasting. So what will prompt, what will make us know that the Holy Ghost have taught you is when we see you rejoicing, not when we see you crying. Anything can make you cry. Maybe you lost your puppy or your cat or anything. can make you cry. Hallelujah. But joy is what proves that the Holy Ghost is indwelling in you. So when we come to worship, of course, we can be humans and be emotional. It's okay to express ourselves. I'm not saying we should take off our humanity. What I'm saying is when it comes to the issue of the forgiveness of our sins, you know, is not to feel a sense of regret or feel sorry. Someone may say, but Jesus asked people to repent. That was the keystone of Jesus' ministry. True. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 to 17. Let's look at that part. The first message Jesus preached was a message of repentance. So why would we be saying that repentance, in that sense, remember we're trying to define what that repentance is. Are we together? Now when Jesus heard that John had been, had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which, by, which, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. That it might be filled which was fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. 
the people who sat in darkness, what have they seen? They've seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has come down. From that time, Jesus, now this is a message. This is what brings about the light that they have seen. Began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. Which means the kingdom, what at hand here means that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. And that was the same message of John. And that was the same message that Jesus Christ preached. And that is the same message that we ought to preach. The message of repentance. Hallelujah. But we've said repentance is not to feel sorry. Repentance is not to feel a sense of regret. Now let's see a practical example from the scriptures we read in John chapter 8 verse 1 to 11. Where the woman that was accused of adultery was brought to Jesus. John chapter 8 from verse 1. Give me from verse, uh, verse 5. From verse 5. Let's read from verse 5 to 11. Or rather, let me start from verse 1 to give us proper context. But Jesus went to Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. You see, they always have something to bring to Jesus. And when they had set her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they say, testing him that they might have something which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9. Then those who had him been convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. That's a protocol, right? From the oldest down to the last. And Jesus was, was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. The gift of no condemnation came first before go and sin no more. That is what I want you to see from that story. Jesus forgave her sins first before he said, go and do what? And sin no more. So, repentance, as we said, or stopping to sin, as we will translate it, will only be a product of receiving the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. So, when we go to preach Christ, we cannot tell people to stop their sins so that God will accept them. That is not the gospel message. We have to tell them of the message 
of the forgiveness of sins. If she was to sin no more before she will be forgiven, then it will no longer be grace, but works. Are we together? Men, the worst enemy, the most biggest criminal we can imagine on earth today has been offered the gift of forgiveness. And it is our duty to go and tell them about this gift. Hallelujah. So when we go to evangelism, all we're doing is that we're telling people about the offer that God has given humanity. Amen? It's without condition. It's believing and receiving the gift of forgiveness because forgiveness is a gift. The forgiveness of sin is a gift. Repentance is a gift. It's not what you do. We just have to turn to him in faith, receiving this forgiveness as he has offered us. Hallelujah. So what does Jesus mean by except you repent, you shall perish? If we say that forgiveness or repentance rather is not condition, right? For the forgiveness of sin. Why would Jesus say that except you repent, ye shall perish? Luke chapter 13 verse 1. Luke 13 verse 1 to 5. There were present at that season some, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. Now this, wait a minute, verse 1. The context here is that Pilate, the Roman governor, or the ruler, who is a Roman, he's not a Jew, has gone to Galilee and he has slaughtered some believers or some Jewish people. Let me just say some Jewish people. He has killed them. And some people brought this report to Jesus Christ. So that is the response here. That is the context here, verse 2. And Jesus answered them, see, as big as this news is, what do you expect Jesus to do? To concentrate on the issue, right, at hand. Imagine they came to you and they told you, ah, you know, in your village or your town, your city where you're coming from, there's a terrorist attack that happened and so many people died. You know, you should feel moved by the story and maybe get engaged in the conversation. But look at the response of Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffer such things? When people are suffering, it's because they are sinners. It's because they've done some horrible and sinful act. That is why bad things happen to them. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, now what is the relationship between this news? And the concept of repentance. I tell you no. But unless you repent. You will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom. The tower in Cilium. Fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners. Than all other men who dwell in Jerusalem. This is a different activity. that have, This is a different event. I tell you no. But unless you repent. You will all likewise perish. Hallelujah. Now the word perish here is from a Greek word apolemi. Apolemi. A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I. A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I. Which means obviously to destroy fully, literally or figuratively to destroy something, to die, to perish as you see it in the English transliteration. Unless they repent, what will happen to them? 
they will perish. So it doesn't mean, Jesus Christ is not saying that if you don't repent, some physical bad thing. Let's, let's look at that perish. Is it talking about something physical? Jesus is using a physical event, a real life event, to explain something that, is, that will happen, which is spiritual. Are we together? Now, let's look at the use of the word perish in scriptures. John chapter 3, verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, even so the Son of Man, be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish. But what? But have eternal life. So perishing and eternal life are two opposite things. Isn't it? You either have eternal life or you perish. You either perish or you have eternal life. Right? Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish. So how can you not perish? By believing. In him should not perish, but have eternal life, have everlasting life. 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So perishing is an alternative or an alternative, your English is better than mine, to having everlasting life. The opposite of perishing is zoe. Are we together? So it's either you have Zoe in you, which is eternal life, which is God's own life, or what happened to you, or you are perishing. John chapter 10, verse 28. We're still looking at this word. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life, and they shall what? They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. He gives eternal life. So that what will happen? So that men will not perish. So perishing is what happens to you if you don't have eternal life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. Another text that explains that word. Apollo my, Apollo me rather. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are what? Who are perishing. That means those who have not believed, who are unbelievers. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? It is the power of God. So perishing is the opposite of being saved. By the cross of Jesus Christ. By the message. When we say the cross of Jesus Christ. We are talking about all that Christ has done. From his, to his birth. To his suffering. To his death. To his resurrection. His burial. His resurrection. His ascension. That's what the cross symbolizes. So perishing is the opposite of being saved. By the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, perishing is something that happens when someone dies. This means it's not something earthly. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. It means that this perishing is not what happened here on earth. You are perishing, but you will completely perish. Right? 
when you leave this earth. Which means that if the person has not lived this earth, he has hope. Are we together? And the hope is that he can receive eternal life while he's still alive. And if Christ is not risen, what happened? Your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then also those who have fallen asleep. Now look at those who have fallen asleep. If Christ have not risen, look at what will happen to those who have fallen asleep. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Which means that perishing happened after you have died. Are we together? It means that it happens when you've died. Because those who are asleep is referring to those who have already died. Which means that if Christ was not raised again from the dead, it simply means that those who have slept have perished indeed. So, this is something that happens after you've lived this world. Hallelujah. So, after death, what happens? After death, what happens? We know judgment, right? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. After death comes judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. And as it is appointed for men to die, how many times? Once. After this, a judgment. Now Jesus explained what will happen in this judgment in Matthew 25 verse 46. Let's look at what Jesus explained will happen after this judgment. Now following this line of thoughts, we'll reach a place where we'll explain what our repentance is. And this will go away into everlasting punishment. Does this look like perishing? Huh? And this will go into everlasting punishment. But the righteous into what? Eternal life. So eternal life and everlasting punish punishment, right? Is side by side. Two opposite things. One, this everlasting punishment means what? Perishing. That's what it means to perish. It means to die. It means to be destroyed. It means... To be murdered. Perishing is the eternal punishment that people fall into when they die if they have not repented. So what the Bible teaches as the way to escape this eternal condemnation. What the Bible teaches as the way to escape this eternal condemnation. This perishing. What does the Bible teach us? John chapter 3 verse 16. What? Believe. Are we together? To believe. Believing the gospel is how one can escape perishing. Are we together? So, except you repent, you shall all perish. So, what would that repent mean for you not to perish? Huh? Hello? Let me go again. If what would stop a man from perishing, right? John chapter 3 verse 16. Give me John chapter 3 verse 16. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish but have everlasting life. So for you not to perish, you have to do what? You have to believe. Believe in what? In the gospel concerning what? Christ Jesus that he died. He rose again. For who? For you. For me. For the forgiveness of our sins. So if you don't believe in this message, what will happen to you? You perish. Now. 
Luke chapter 13 verse, verse 2. What does it say? Except you repent. Except you repent, right? Except you repent. Verse 3. Verse 3. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all perish. And that repent, what will it mean then? It will mean what? To believe. Hallelujah. It will mean to have a change of mind, which we've seen earlier on as a definition for this repentance. What is what repent means? To change your mind and believe the gospel. So, repentance is a message that is preached. Repentance is a gift given to men. It's not what you do or you, you, you feel or you do by action that requires or that makes you accept or receive the forgiveness of God. It's what God himself has done for us. So to believe in Jesus as the Messiah is repentance. Acts chapter 13 verse 24. To believe in Jesus as the Messiah is repentance. Acts chapter 13 verse 24 and 27. Acts 13, 24, 27. After John had first preached before his coming. Now, what was John preaching? The baptism of what? Of repentance to all people of Israel. So, when we see baptism here, I bet you John was doing water baptism. But much more than water baptism, he was pointing them to who? To Jesus Christ. That they will believe in this Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of sins. So when he's talking about repent, repent, what he's, talking about, what he's telling them is change your mind, change your focus, turn to God, turn to Christ, and receive the forgiveness of your sins. Verse 25, and, it was, and as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to lose. 26, Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. It's a word. To you it has been sent. Right? 27. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them, fulfilled them in condemning him. Right? Jump to chapter 19, verse 4. This is, John, this is Paul here explaining the ministry of John. Chapter 19, verse 4. That's him Acts. Let's see the commentary that Paul made. Acts 19, verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe. Now, this is, this is, a, this is the explanation of John's ministry. That they should what? Saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So what John was doing was beyond just sucking people inside water. Are we together? John was not just birthing people. He was not just making people swim in water. But he was giving them a message. Are we together? And a message he has been preaching. Is a message of repentance. And this repentance is to believe on him who what? Who will come after him. Who has the capacity to give life. Who has the ability to give forgiveness to men. Repentance is faith towards God. We see that it's, it's what? It's faith towards God. It means to believe in Jesus Christ is faith towards God. 
which is believing in Jesus Christ. Several in scriptures, Acts chapter 20, verse 20, 21, we see how the apostles teach repentance. Acts 20, verse 20 to 21. Here again, Paul. And see now, I go bound in spirit of 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. Yes, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaim it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. 21. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. What was he testifying? Repentance, what? Towards God. So repentance would mean a turn in a change of mind towards who? Towards God. And faith, this and, I've, I've told you before last time that this and simply means which is, right? Repentance towards God, which is faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what that repentance is. Are we together? That's what this repentance is. And faith towards his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. Now, we're not saying the elementary principles are not fundamental. That's why you're doing foundation school. Are we together? The elementary things here are fundamentals. Are we together? So here the Hebrew is not saying the elementary things are not good. He's saying that now let's move on to some things. Let's grow beyond the elementary to something new. Let us go on to perfection. This perfection simply means going further. You can't stay in the principles of uh, economics from year one to year four. You must move to some, you know, econometrics and some Highly classified things, right? So he's saying here, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. So the foundation is what? It's repentance. Turning from to. Turning from sin. Turning from sin towards God. And towards God from dead works and of faith towards God. That is what repentance is. Hallelujah. So when you go out to preach, what are you preaching? Turn to God. Receive the gift of salvation. Amen? Receive the gift of salvation. That's what you're telling people. Repentance is a gift granted by God. It is not what you can do by yourself. It is a gift granted by God. Acts chapter 5 verse 29 It's a gift And Peter, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on the tree. You see, these people are very straightforward. They don't hide. They don't hide the truth, right? Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give what? To give what? To give repentance. To who? To Israel, which is the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Now, repentance is given. If I'm giving you repentance, is this something that you do? You receive repentance. Are we together? So it's a gift you receive. And this repentance is receiving the forgiveness. 
that Christ has made available for all men. Acts chapter 11, verse 16. Repentance is a gift granted by God. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then I, if they are, yes, verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift, now, which gift is it? If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, which gift did they receive when they believe? Who was I? Who was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to who? To the Gentiles. What has God granted to them? Repentance to what? To life. God has granted what? Repentance to us life. God has granted repentance to us life. So repentance is not what they manufacture. Who gave them repentance? God gave them repentance. Hallelujah. So when the gospel is preached and a person turns into it by faith, he has repented. Amen. When the gospel is preached and someone listens to the message and he believes and he turns and, and, and believes in Jesus Christ, he has repented. That is what repentance is. And next week, we're going to look at how do believers repent? Do believers repent? Hmm? Should believers repent? But to conclude today's teaching, I want to ask you this question, crucial question. Have you truly repented for the forgiveness of your sins? It's a personal question to you. Have you truly repented? Or you stop doing all the things you were doing and that is your repentance. And that is how you came to faith. The Bible says, except you repent, you will likewise perish. Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your savior? The one who died so that you will be forgiven of your sins. If you are in this room today and this is not your status, as long as you have life, you have an opportunity to receive this gift of forgiveness. It doesn't cost anything. The only thing it will cost is maybe your pride. Amen? So don't swallow your pride. It will kill you. Receive the gift of salvation. And how do you receive this gift of salvation? See, don't leave this place assuming that you are saved. Maybe you should check and check around. Have I truly believed? Or I'm living on an assumption that I have believed. If you've not truly believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one who died, that you will be forgiven of your sins, then it's an opportunity for you to say, I believe in Jesus right now. That is how simple it is. It is not any complication. No one needs to lay hand on you. In fact, you don't need a pastor to lead you. Right on your seat, you can believe and you are saved. 
Hallelujah. You don't need no man to come lay hand on you to fall. What are you falling for? Amen? The Bible says you believe. So believe in the simplicity of the gospel. Don't complicate it. That is why it's too good to be true to those who are perishing. How can I just say, I believe, I agree, and then eternally I'm saved? That is how God made the earth subsidized for all of us so that we can afford it. Because none of us could pay for it. Hallelujah. So, do you believe? Or did you just feel sorry and have a sense of regret? Or stop a bad habit? And that's what you mean by salvation. I remember the leader that was here before me. He taught us something, and I, I can't forget. He says, if you are typing something, then Microsoft is not sophisticated like now. That is since 2013, 2011. If you are typing something, and you are not sure whether you save it, and you know that if something mistakenly happens, and your light goes off or your battery goes off, what will happen to your document? You lose everything. So what will you do when you remember that? I'm not sure what I say. What will you do? Control what? Control S. So in case you are here, and you are not sure whether you are safe or not, control safe. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's a serious matter. Hallelujah. Believe the message. See, no matter how far you've been doing ministry, Eh? Don't say, ah, how can you use that my status? I'm a choir director. I've pastored 500 churches. I've, I'm a regional overseer. How can you say? You can do all those things. But you're not born again. You've not believed the message. Hallelujah. So if you are not sure, or if you now realize, ah, truly, truly, I'm not really safe. Hmm? Then what you do is to believe. To believe. Hallelujah. There's nothing to do but to believe in Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins. That is how to escape eternal condemnation and to come into the everlasting relationship with God. Now, you that have repented long ago, what are you doing with the message of repentance? Let me ask you this honest question. All those people out there that you see on a daily basis. What will happen to them if they don't repent? They will all perish. If they do not repent. That salesperson at the supermarket you go, you make just jokes with. That your roommate. Hmm? Even your dad and your mom. Even your children, your wife and your husband, if you are married. The person that is so dear to you that you may have contacts every day. If the person does not repent, what will happen to him? He will likewise perish. And right in your hand is a solution to their eternal problem. Right with you is the solution to the problem that they have. So why withhold repentance from them? Why withhold the forgiveness of sin from them? Why will you withhold it from them? Why will you withhold forgiveness of sins from them? For me to close, imagine right now 
you are together with your friend and suddenly your friend slumps on the floor. Imagine. Imagine it. It's not happened. Just imagine it. Don't use superstitious uh, beliefs. Imagine you are together with a friend. And a friend suddenly slumps on the floor. What will you do? Will you ignore the person? Will you walk away and say, ah, it's your, it's your life? Is the way you see it? What will you do? A normal human being will, will look for a solution. Will, if, you, if care is not taken, you will panic. Right? You look for number, maybe call the ambulance. That is how urgent it is. That is the response we need to do to those around us that have not received the message of repentance. That's how urgent it is for us to preach to them concerning what Christ has done, that they will receive this as a gift. So when you don't preach the gospel, you are withholding repentance. You are withholding forgiveness of sins. Because that ministry that we always confess that we have the ministry of Christ, that's what we inherited. You see that message he was preaching? Repent. For what? For the kingdom of God is where has arrived. That is the same ministry you inherited. So you and I are obligated to do what? To do sin. So maybe some of us today need to repent today. In that aspect of not preaching the gospel. And that repenting is not to say, I'm sorry Lord, I have not. It's okay to do that, but much more than that. Is to turn to God and turn in obedience. Next week we're going to look at what repentance is to the believer. What it means to repent as a believer. So close your eyes and speak to God. I don't know how you've been convicted today. But this is an eternal truth that brings liberation, that brings salvation, that brings about restoration of broken relationship with man and God. And that is the essence of church. That we will be equipped, trained, and be sent out as the ones who will deliver others from these consequences of sin. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.